Hey, welcome back to Christ Church today as we continue this series called One Thing. And today, uh, the message is about not about me, but him. And in that video, we saw Steph Curry, who is one of the most successful and talented players in the NBA. But even with all of that talent, he realized that he has been blessed. Yes, he had to work hard to get where he has gotten, but he realizes that he has had a lot of help to get there. But overall, God has blessed him. He said, you need faith in God. And I agree totally with him on that. What a great role model for our young people. But he also said, even in the midst of all that success, that we need to be humble. Humility is the opposite of pride. I'm not telling you something you don't know. Pride often creates problems while humility can bring solutions to problems. I was reading an article from the National Geographic about this pufferfish. Anybody ever seen this on any of the uh, wildlife shows and things? A pufferfish. It can inflate its body into this ball shape to evade predators. Now, it's also known as the blowfish. And it's not such a good swimmer, <laughs> but it'll fill its elastic stomach with huge amounts of water and, you know, sometimes air, and it will blow itself up several times its normal size. You know, sort of like we did during Thanksgiving, right? <laughs> But, but these blowfish aren't just cute. Most pufferfish contain a toxic substance that makes them foul-tasting and potentially deadly to other fish. In fact, the toxin from the blowfish is also deadly to humans, 1,200 times more deadly than cyanide. Isn't that crazy? Don't be, don't be frying a blowfish, okay? Don't, don't do that. There's enough poison in one pufferfish to kill 30 adult humans, and there's no antidote for it. Like pufferfish, think about it. Human beings can blow themselves up with pride and arrogance to make themselves look bigger than they really are. And that pride can become toxic. In your marriage, in your church, in your friendships. No wonder the late Bible scholar John Stott once said, Pride is your greatest enemy, humility is your greatest friend. So in our text today, Paul teaches us the value of humility by having us consider the humble life of Jesus. And it is evident that humility preserves us while pride destroys us. I want you to think about that, friends. Genuine humility is the true reality. None of us can take all the credit for the blessings that we have received. So when we are genuinely humble... That means I'm not faking it to make people think I'm humble. 
but I am genuinely humble because I understand that truth. Without God, I am nothing. Do you all understand that? Now last week we looked at a passage uh, in our sermon from Philippians which revealed the character of Jesus. That it was one of the passages we discussed. And as we discuss humility today, I want to revisit that passage. I want to break it down a little bit deeper for us. What we learn from the text is that humility was modeled by Jesus himself. As Christians, we want to follow the example of Jesus. And as we look at Jesus' life, we discover a humble leader. So I want you to go with me to Philippians chapter 2, and we're going to read verses 3 through 11. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? Amen. Now as we read that passage, we understand that Jesus modeled humility and he calls each of us to that virtue. In Matthew 5, 5, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Now that may not be what the world tells you, but that's what Jesus says. When you observe Jesus' life, that's exactly what he did. Now Jesus, if anybody had any reason to be prideful, <laughs> you would think Jesus would have a reason. I mean... He is the Son of God, after all, right? I mean, he, he should have been treated like royalty, and yet he was meek and humble. Jesus didn't think of his position when serving. Unlike most people who have power and position, Jesus saw his role as a servant, not as the person that everybody needs to flock to to help out. The scripture reminds us that though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. He humbled himself. He came to the earth to serve. In other words, Jesus gave up his privileges to serve. Think about the privileges Jesus had the Son of God. I mean, there is nothing that can touch Him where He was. But He was 
born as all of us were born, but maybe even in a more difficult situation because he was born in a manger, right? We're going to celebrate that in about a month. Jesus, born in a manger, not in a palace, not in a nice hospital room, but born in a manger, a smelly barn. He lived a simple life. No real material possessions to call his own. In fact, when he died on the cross, they said the only thing he owned was a garment that people gambled for. Yes, Jesus lived a very humble life. As God, he never suffered. Think about that. He had no unmet need. He never went hungry. He could not experience physical pain because before he was born to Mary, he existed, he pre-existed. But he gave all of that up to come to earth. And here he had to put up with the evil of mankind. Who would choose to do that? A humble servant. Jesus took the position of a servant. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. As you think about Jesus' ministry, you see Jesus doing things like washing his disciples' feet. These, these guys that couldn't get it together, they were always confused. And yet, Jesus, the Son of God, washes their feet. He kneels in front of them, takes their feet, and washes those nasty, smelly things. Jesus touched the untouchable. People that other leaders ignored and avoided, Jesus went to them. He touched the lepers. He let the woman who was bleeding touch him. And all of these things were like, in that culture, in that religious culture, no, you can't do that. He served others when he should have, according to human standards, been the one being served. But he revealed to us that it is better to be a servant leader than a served leader. Amen? Now, Jesus was obedient to his call, and he was completely human. Yes, he's completely God, but he's also completely human. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Think about that death. That death on a cross was something that was done to criminals, people that had Stolen, thieves, people that had tried to cause a, res a, a, a resurgence against the Romans. But he was innocent of all those things. And he was powerful enough to wipe out all those who were abusing him. People that were spitting on him. People that were calling him names. People that thrust a crown of thorns on his head. People that drove nails into his body. All Jesus had to do was call down 10,000 angels and everybody there would have been wiped out. We know that. But he withheld his anger and his power. 
And by doing so, he humbled himself. He submitted to death. Now, that's the only way that death could have him. But he also knew it was the only way to show us that he is the Lord over death. That death cannot hold him. And if it cannot hold him, thank God it cannot hold us who put our faith in him. Now, just this past week, Howard Bullock, Howard and Annis Bullock were founding members of our church. At some point several years ago, Annis became ill and wasn't able to be here every Sunday, and Howard started going to a church closer to home. They're pretty far out. But Howard passed away this week. He passed away out while he was hunting. Now, if any of you knew Howard, the guy could sing. He had a beautiful voice. But he also loved playing golf and hunting and doing fishing. Fishing was a huge thing in his life. He got cancer several years ago, and it, it, it just about took his life. And I was talking to E.T. earlier, and, you know, we're thinking, you know, Howard would never have wanted to die in a hospital bed. He died out on a, it, while he was hunting, doing what he loved doing. But the great thing is, Howard believed in Jesus. He had given his life to Christ many years ago. And because death couldn't hold Jesus, death cannot hold Howard. And that is our faith. Now, Jesus also modeled humility for us. And humility is evident. That means that it is recognizable. When we are humble, people will see this. It doesn't go unnoticed. Now, C.S. Lewis, that great Christian author, once wrote, Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It, it, it's thinking of yourself less. Makes sense. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Think about that. So, as we think about how humility is evident in our life, we can say humility is evident when we give God credit. When we do something and people want to say, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, and we say, Let, let's praise God for that. It's not me, it's Him. It's not about me, it's about Him. He gave me the ability and the resource to do whatever I did. He put it in my heart to do this. Let's praise God. Amen? In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 28 and verse 31, God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. Therefore, as it is written, let no one or let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Instead of taking credit for yourself, give it to God. We give God the credit for the gifts and the abilities that we have. Hey friends, if it weren't for God, you would have nothing, right? You would not have even life 
You would not have the abilities that you have. So it seems a little weird that we would boast about something that only God enables us to do. It's amazing to watch athletes who always want to point to themselves. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look what I did. But what they should do, and what some do, like Steph Curry, is to point to the heavens and give the glory to God. 1 Corinthians 4, 7b, we read, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you didn't? Now, if you remember the video from Steph Curry, he gets it, he understands. What do we have to boast about? Everything we have. We only have because of God. Now, humility is evident when we acknowledge that God is in control of all things. Now, that's the point, right? When we boast, we're taking all the credit. When we give God the credit, we point to the one who is in control. And in truth, we have no control except for ourselves. I mean, we choose whether we're going to follow Christ or not. We choose how we're going to act. We choose how we're going to treat other people. Yes, we can have some control over that. But there are some other things and many other things that we have no control over. We can't control the weather, right? We can't control a day. You might want to control your day with your smartphone and your schedule, but tell me this. Have there ever been times that you were so packed in your schedule that you thought you could do nothing else, but then something happened and suddenly the schedule's out the window? Y'all know what I'm talking about. We can't control what other people do. We can't control whether other people like us. We can't control whether other people will treat us well. We can't control all outcomes. Have you figured that out yet? We are not in control. So we have to trust in God who is. James wrote in James 4, 15, Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. So what do you really control? Again, you control your decisions. You control your actions. But you can't control outcomes. And that enables us to have a humble spirit. Since I'm not in control, I humble myself before the God who is. Humility is evident when we forgive one another. You know, if I'm able to forgive another person, it reveals that my heart is humble. A prideful heart will never forgive another person. The inability to forgive can reveal an arrogance and desire for vengeance. In Colossians 3, 12 and 13 we read, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance 
against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now think about that. By forgiving others, you reveal that you don't think more highly of yourself than you should. And the reason is because we know that we have failed and that we needed desperately the forgiveness of God. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Yes, you are hurt. Yes, someone may do things to you that hurt you, harm you in some way. But you realize that you are a sinner as well. That person is a sinner. In fact, every person I know is a sinner. And you know what? Every person I know knows that I'm a sinner. Y'all get what I'm saying? Now, when you're not forgiving that other person, you're forgetting that you have hurt someone. You have harmed others because you are not perfect yourself. So forgiving others reveals a humble heart that understands I'm not perfect either. That means a lot in every relationship, especially in your home, with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your family members. Forgiveness. Humility is evident when we serve one another. Do you want to serve or do you want to be served? <laughs> now, I think maybe some people think the American dream is, hey, get into a place where I got servants. <laughs> but what did Jesus say in John 13, 15? Jesus said, I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. And what did Jesus do? He was a servant. We already talked about that. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. When you take those opportunities to serve others, in little ways you reveal humility. Now here's the rub. Are you doing it for show? Or are you doing it because that's your heart? Are you doing it so that people will see that you're doing some humble service? So that people will come and pat you on the back and say, oh, what a wonderful person you are. Sometimes that's our motivation. It's always interesting when people get upset that they aren't getting recognition that they want for their service. Jesus said, if you get recognition from men, that's all the recognition you're going to get. But if you're not doing it for that then God's got something even better in store. The recognition we should strive for will come from God, not man. So friends, humility is evident as we genuinely serve others. Humility is evident when we discover true greatness. Now, what is true greatness? Now think about that. What, what makes it truly great? Is it true greatness when we, you know, get the highest paying job and we have a big mansion and we drive the most expensive car and everybody in town knows our name? Is that, is that really what 
true greatness is. Jesus said to his disciples in Mark 10, Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. According to Jesus, true greatness is when we're serving others. Now, if you think about it, in that culture, and even in our culture to some extent, the world considers greatness to be the number of people who are serving you. Whereas by God's calculation, true greatness is the number of people you are serving. We have it backwards. God is measuring the people you serve. And His measurement is the only one that really counts. So Jesus modeled humility, and He set an example for us to follow. And our humility is evident in the way that we treat other people. But... There are some enemies to our humility that we need to be watchful for. Tim Keller wrote, The Christian gospel is that I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me. Yet I am so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. This leads to deep humility and deep confidence. At the same time, it undermines both swaggering and sniveling. I cannot feel superior to anyone, and yet I have nothing to prove to anyone. I do not think more of myself, nor less of myself. Instead, I think of myself less. It's another way of saying what C.S. Lewis said. And so as we think about these obstacles to humility, sort of take an internal look and ask yourself, is there something I need to work on? Ego can keep us from humility. We think that the world must revolve around us and we are full of ourselves. That's ego. Someone has defined ego as Edging God out. Hmm. That's a pretty fair assessment of ego. We promote ourselves and we push God out. Now part of ego is selfishness. Ego drives selfishness. We're all about ourselves. We want what we want. We don't care what anybody else wants. We don't care what God wants because it's all about self. Trying to impress others is an enemy to humility. Again, we want to impress so that people can recognize us. This is a part of our ego driving us. Looking only to our own interests is a part of that selfishness, that ego. So the ego can create problems for us. Ego is an enemy to humility. Now you, you know the old proverb that reminds us that pride goes before a fall. Y'all remember that? And how often have we seen that come true? Especially we see it in sports. 
Everybody's out there talking about, you know, you look at these two teams and one team is so much better than the other team. There's no way that they're going to lose and then they do. And then it's like, whoa, what happened? Well, sometimes we go in thinking we're so good we can't be beat. We're like the Titanic. We can't be sunk. And then we are. This is so true. We can become proud because of our success. Maybe we started out humbly and then we got success. And success can often keep us from humility. When we are successful, we're often tempted to think that we're successful entirely on our own. We don't recognize God's blessings and often success can lead to that arrogance and a haughty spirit. We can get caught up in our success. And that's why what Steph Curry said is so important. Here's a very successful young man who still remembers where he came from. He remembers his struggles shooting the ball early on. He remembers how he got to where he is. And yes, it required him to work and have a drive, but he never stopped being humble. Which leads to another enemy, and that is forgetting our past. Forgetting where we came from can keep us from humility. When we forget where we came from, we fail to recognize those who have helped us along the way, especially God. In 2 Peter 1.9 we read, But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Well, we've been going to church for a long time. And all of a sudden... I done forgot all the sins that I used to commit that I needed to be saved from. This can happen when circumstances change. We forget how life was. For some Christians, this comes out when we have no grace or mercy for others. I mean, somebody else slips and falls, and we want to stomp on them and call them names and judge them and look down on them. And we forget, hey, we were in that same situation. We forget where we came from. We forget that we were saved from our sins. And so we have to be so cautious. Friends, remember that every person you look down on could have been you. But God chose to love you and extend grace to you. And God loves that person and wants to extend grace to them. And who knows that maybe if you extend a little grace, that their heart might be open to the grace of God. But if you want to just look down your nose at them, maybe they'll never listen. We have another enemy who doesn't want us to think that way. And that enemy is Satan. He will seek to run us down or puff us up. This is Satan's two tracks to, you know, get us away from humility. In 2 Corinthians 12, 7, we read, Or because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. 
Now remember, Satan's desire is to destroy us. That's right, Satan wants to destroy your family. He wants to destroy your marriages. He wants to destroy your children. He wants to destroy your uh, parent-child relationships. He wants us to become arrogant and selfish because these are his qualities. Remember, he wanted to be worshipped instead of God. And he will often tempt us in ways that will lead us to act like him. And you have to recognize and discern what is coming from the Spirit of God and what is coming from the Spirit of this world. Satan is not your friend. So when you start having this temptation to think more highly of yourself, to take the credit for yourself, to look down at others, to not forgive others. Friend, that's not coming from the Spirit of God. That's coming from the Spirit of this world. There's one last enemy that we have to be extremely cautious of, and that enemy is ourself. Blindness to ourselves will keep us from seeing others accurately. If we're not looking into the mirror of God's Word, we can have an inaccurate view of ourselves. In Romans 12, 3, we read, But for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. James put it this way in James chapter 1. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. You know, we might be thinking of ourselves as the most beautiful creature that God ever graced earth with. But we're not looking in the mirror of God's Word. We need the mirror of God's Word to show us what God actually sees and what we actually look like. We might not always like what we see, but we have to be honest with ourselves. It doesn't do any good for us to think that we're perfect or that we have reached perfection or that we somehow forget all of the stuff that we've had in our past and we're thinking, oh boy, I'm way up here now and other people are way down here. That's just a wrong view. The only way to change and become better is to look in the mirror of God's Word and take a hard and honest look at ourselves. Where do we fall short? How can we improve? And having a humble heart is the only way that we can tr truly do that. So as we close, what, what's keeping you from humility? A.W. Tozer wrote, for the Christian, humility is absolutely indispensable. Without it, there can be no self-knowledge, no repentance, no faith, and no salvation. So friend, do you need to humble yourself and ask for forgiveness? Maybe today's the day that you need to come to God and say, God, I need to get my life right. I need to get my heart right. I need to humble myself. Do you need to admit 
that you were wrong? Is there someone in your life that you know that you have harmed, that you have hurt, that you need to recognize, God, I know I hurt that person. And I need to humble myself and admit my wrongdoing. It might be the person that sleeps in that bed next to you every night. Your spouse. It may be your child. It may be your parent. It may be a co-worker. Do you need to submit to authority in some way? Do you need to begin serving in some way? Do you need a greater self-awareness? Do you need to be more conscious of, your, of others than of yourself? Do you need to become less self-focused and more God-focused? There's another great preacher, Louis Giglio. I don't know how many of you are familiar with him. But he wrote, humility is not a character trait to develop. It's the natural byproduct of being with Jesus. We need to just be with Jesus every day and take on His character. St. Augustine said, It was pride that changed angels into devils. It is humility that makes men as angels. And then James put it this way in James 4, 6. But He gives us more grace. And that's why Scripture says God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. So friend, when people see your humility, it can have a truly powerful effect. I want to finish with this story of a pastor in India who was confronted by an angry man in his office one day. This man just came in and started making unfair, untrue accusations against this pastor. And after finishing his angry outburst, the man asked the pastor uh, what he had to say. And in response, the pastor got up without a word. He walked into the washroom next door. He filled an empty basin of water and he brought it back into the room. And the angry man was surprised when he saw the basin of water and he asked what that was for. And the pastor replied that even though the accusations were not true, that since the person was nevertheless upset with him, he felt the right thing to do was to ask for forgiveness. And then he offered to wash the man's feet. What happened after that was that this angry man broke down in tears at this act of humility, and he opened his heart to the Lord. You see, the pastor's humility was actually a sign of strength, not weakness. One of the most important character traits a Christian needs to cultivate is humility. And true humility always stands out as a powerful strength instead of a weakness. And it always pleases God. That's why we're encouraged to clothe ourselves with it. Choose humility, friends. As a Christian, we need to have the attitude, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And if my humility can help lead others to Christ, then God let me be humble. Remember that humility preserves us while pride destroys us.
Father, we come to you today and thank you for the example of Jesus, the humble servant and our Savior. Help us to have the same attitude towards others that Jesus had. Help us to serve others. Help us to treat others with humility. Maybe admit our wrongdoing to them. Confess to them. Ask them to forgive us. Maybe it's on the other side of that where someone has hurt us. Help us not to hold on to bitterness towards them. Just help us to humbly respond to people. Father, help us to follow you in all things that we do. Help us to be an example for others. Father, we also pray for Howard Bullock's family today. We pray, God, that you would give them grace and peace and comfort their hearts after the loss of Howard. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.